On this week's show, Bonnie and I tackle community questions such as how do you increase your self-confidence as a leader and a whole lot more. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 141. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership. And I'm so glad that you are back to join us for another episode. And as you know, if you've listened to the show for a bit, that I'm always asking our audience and community members to send in comments, questions, and feedback. And we are getting more and more of those. And so every three or four episodes these days, we're doing a Q&A show. And I'm always uh, thrilled when Bonnie's able to join me for the Q&A show. And she is back. I am back. Absolutely. Welcome back. And I was just thinking if anyone hears sounds in the background, our son is uh, being cared very well by one of the gals that watches the kids and is just having a delightful time in the background. We're, we're all the way in the completely the other side of the house and we can hear through the door just uh, shrieks of delight. It's very cute. It is. And so, you know, what better thing to be listening to when you're talking about effectiveness and success and leadership than squeals of children being happy in the mm-hmm. background? A so, wonderful backdrop. Yeah, we've got lots of questions, though. I know we, we have do. the first one here. Do you want to tell us about that? I, I would love to. So let's just roll right in here. So we've got a few questions uh, from the community. By the way, before we start, if you have comments, questions uh, for future episodes, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the best way to get those to us. So the first question is from Michelle. I hope I'm saying your name right, uh, all the way in Saudi Arabia. And Michelle asks, how do you increase self-confidence as a new leader? So uh, that's a, it, it's a simple question, but it's a pretty loaded question, Bonnie. So mm-hmm. do you want to take a stab at that first or you want uh, you want me to take a stab at that? Well, one of the things when I think about self-confidence is that that does tend to, for me, fall into the realm of feelings, how confident we feel about ourselves and about our effectiveness. And when you study psychology, they talk about feelings from different perspectives. So if you were ever going to go, for example, to a counselor of some kind and 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 to talk about some of your challenges, you might want to know about what their psychological theory is or what their counseling approach is. So one of the approaches is called behavioralism. And I, I certainly don't mean to oversimplify it, but the example would be that to, to, at the most simple form that if we behave a way, we can behave our ways into feelings. So when it comes to self-confidence, this relates actually back to the issue of presenting. I'm going to give the example of presenting and and it's going to then relate nicely back to self-confidence. But early in my career, I used to be a manager of people that did computer training. They delivered computer training classes, uh, pretty much four days a week. And then the fifth day was their prep day to get ready to teach more computer training classes. And we hired a lot. It was during the dot-com boom here in the States. So computer technology was really taking off. And so was the training for computer training technologies. My goodness, tongue twister here. So I remember vividly, we hired a lot of people, trained a lot of people. And I still remember one this happened actually more often than someone might think that the woman started teaching a class and then just walked out 
after the break and just walked, got in her car and left. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and you would think that that would be a huge anomaly, but actually it happened more often than you might think. Wow. And so they still would conduct, when this would occasionally happen, they would still conduct the exit interview with the person. And she said, I quit because Bonnie believed in me too much. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> and it reminded me a little bit of that both Dave and I in our lives have been broken up with by boyfriends and, or girlfriends because we were too nice. And so it's, I will say it's delightful to be married to someone who is just so nice. So I'm glad that he oh, didn't take sweet. their advice to heart and stop being such a nice guy. So all this to say, I, I remember after that time, I was talking with my parents about people that would quit, you know, just in the middle of the class, they would just leave. And that of course has to do with one's self-confidence. It was because they were just too nervous that they weren't going to be able to deliver on the value of that course or that they couldn't learn the software, that they were confused about where to head next in the class. And people a lot of times would say, oh, Bonnie, you are just so brave. You're just unbelievably courageous. And that never really resonated with me. I didn't feel particularly courageous at all. And my dad just hit the nail on the head. He said, oh, no, 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 no. You are not courageous at all. That's not that's not the motivation behind why you do what you do, why you can stand up there and, and keep teaching a class even when you get nervous or, or why why that it just never occurred to you that you were that it was an option to quit, that it was an option mm. to just walk out the door and leave and never come back. And I thought that was so to me, it really resonated with me because I was behaving in a way that sort of took priority over the behaviors that if I let fear take over. Mm. So when it comes to thinking about increasing your self-confidence as a leader, I don't think it's as simple as, oh, you just have to behave your way into it. But I think we can use some elements of that behavioralist perspective in increasing your self-confidence. So instead of just trying only to change the feeling of the lack of confidence, we can kind of behave our way to doing some things that after we do them and start to build up our muscles for those things will inevitably have the result of self-confident feelings. It comes up when I coach people, even today, students in presenting that I teach them to, if they get nervous, you know, don't stand up there and say, oh, I'm so nervous. That doesn't help anything, but actually to act as if you are a person who is confident, even if you feel like someone who is not. So mm -hmm. as a leader, that was the first thing that came to my mind was thinking about things that you could do that would be behaviors that self-confident leaders would do. And, and so th this, I mean, talk about, you said this is really a question we could unpack, probably do a whole show just oh, on we this. We could. We probably should. But just <laughs> forget the rest of the questions. We'll just. <laughs> some top of mind things that to me, confident leaders do are ask questions. Confident leaders to me ask a lot of questions. They ask more questions than they make statements. Other things I think of confident leaders are open to feedback, to to critical feedback to what they're doing that is not not working, not helping the team move forward. Now, if that's the only kinds of conversations we have about how I'm not doing my job as a leader and how it's, if it becomes entirely the focus, then that can actually flip on its head and be a real 
lack of confident type of behavior if the focus is always on my inadequacies as a leader. But if I'm showing strengths in other areas and, and, and showing the ability to accomplish some aspects of my role as a leader, then opening it up for feedback, I think, can be courageous. Is there anything that comes to your mind, Dave, as far as behaviors that leaders mm. do that yeah, I, I love your answer to this and the way you framed it. It's so uh, it's so richer than I was thinking about this. And I think my answer probably complements yours in that I was thinking about finding people that will support you in finding success. So I think that it's to the extent that you can surround yourself with managers, with coaches, with mentors, of people that are going to point out the things you're doing well and to put yourself in situations where you can be successful. And I probably didn't appreciate this early enough in my career, Bonnie, that I would I would feel like I was strong enough that I could be in situations where people were negative or critical and that I would I could rise above that. Almost a, it was almost an overconfidence in some situations, I think, when I was starting my career. And I realize now that the people who really helped me to thrive in my leadership skills earlier on were the people that gave me the opportunity to be successful and still would coach and be critical and to give feedback and all those things too, but they would look to help me to find opportunities. And I, I think getting back to your example about presenting, I think that's one of the reasons organizations like Toastmasters are so successful. They really do help people to find success early on and to build their confidence. And then I think once you have a certain level of confidence, then you can start to do the things that are more the higher risk, more the higher skill level type things. But I think finding that confidence early on is really helpful and finding people to support you who will find the good things. Because so many people out there are programmed to look for what's wrong and to give feedback about what's wrong. And that's that's important, but it's 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 not super helpful if you don't also have someone who can build up what you're doing well. This next question is actually really related to his. So why don't we do the next question? We might have some other thoughts here. Yeah. Phil in the UK uh, sent me a great email, by the way. Thanks, Phil. And he had another question uh, that I didn't answer over email, but he wanted to know what advice would you give to someone who hasn't had the opportunity to lead people in an organization? And so I think I do think this this is very closely related to the other question, Bonnie. And my first thought on this, Phil, is that, and so I, I I should have realized, I should have clarified over email with you what specifically you're asking. I am assuming by your question, the way you framed it, that you'd like to have that opportunity to lead people. And so for me, I, I was at a event with one of our clients about a year and a half ago, and one of the executive speakers in the organization who was presenting that day said, if you want to become a leader in this organization is to find a problem and to help us solve it, to not just be someone that shows up at work and does what they're told and does their job description. Yes, do those things as a minimum, but to look for ways to really add value to the organization. And I thought that that was really good advice for people who really want to lead in a significant way and to make an impact in an organization and to advance their careers is it really isn't enough just to show up and to do what you're told. It is it is incumbent upon us, if we want to lead, to demonstrate that we are problem solvers and to look for the opportunities to do that. So I guess my first piece of advice for Phil is if you're not already in a 
formal role where you're leading or managing people is to look for where are the where are the challenges your organization's facing? What are the obstacles your organization's dealing with right now? And what can you do to contribute to that? And there is a lot you can do to influence, even if you don't necessarily have the formal title or authority. And in fact, um, we did a show a while back on how to influence without authority. And so I'll, I'll link to that in the notes here. Um, but that is that is certainly one place to start is to help find and solve a problem. And if you do that, you engender confidence in your organization to give you more opportunities to be able to lead in perhaps a more formal capacity. Yeah, I thought the wording on this, I'm always one to kind of say what's perhaps in between the lines, because the wording is, what advice would you give to someone who hasn't had the opportunity to lead people in an organization? And I would, I I know I'm I'm maybe idealistic when I say this, I think we all have opportunities to lead people in every organization. Mm -hmm. What happens is so much of the time society, our cultural expectations say that if the org chart is such that I don't have my box above their box on the org chart, then I don't truly lead people. I think we all lead people every day and, and we might be leading them in ways that we don't understand or they may not be the most positive ways, but I think we're all having that capacity to lead and to influence in powerful ways. There are, there's great research and, and great thinkers around servant leadership, which would be the idea that, that the leader is actually the one who's carrying the baggage, bags and the luggage for people. What's the, the story in servant leadership is the, the journey that they're taking and they all couldn't figure out who the leader was, and the leader was the one at the back with all the. Oh, all it's the been too stuff. many years since yeah. I read it, so I don't remember. <laughs> but this this came up in a couple of shows recently, mm-hmm. and John Dixon talked a lot about this and yeah. servant leadership, and I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, and, that, and that's why I was using the language formal, the for, a formal role. We can all lead in any position. Uh, if you want to lead, go lead. Find a problem to lead people mm-hmm. around, and and I think that too often. A lot of people wait for someone, and I'm not saying you're doing this, Phil, because I don't know you and I don't know your situation, but too often people wait for someone to say, here's your quote unquote role promotion, here's your problem to solve, instead of going and really proactively looking to influence people at whatever place in the organization you're at. And the people who do that really well and really consistently are then the people who end up being the leaders and the people who are in the formal roles more often, I find. And if you're focused on solving the problem, you don't have to worry as much about threatening people and their their own insecurities of having that authority and, and desperately needing to cling to the hierarchy. Yeah. So the focus on the problem is really a wise approach. Yeah. All right. Good. Great. Let's go on to a question here from John. And uh, John called in his question. Here we go. Hello. My name is John. And I really enjoy your podcast as I've driven into work each morning. I've learned a lot, and I'm hoping that in an upcoming episode, you can provide some tips to a problem I'm having. I'm a nurse manager for a small hospital, so a very important part of my job description is I need to be available to handle emergencies, crises, and things that just come up unexpectedly. So I find a lot of my day is running me instead of me managing my day. And so in addition to handling stuff that can't really be planned out in advance, I have administrative 
tasks that I need to complete, uh, projects I need to work on, and just goals and stuff I want to try to get complete for the organization. And I was wondering if you can help provide some tips on how to build time or manage my day so that I'm able to not only take care of the stuff that's really unplanned and unscripted that can happen at any time, but keep being able to get back on task or complete like the goal that I want to start getting done so I can meet a deadline or continue to move a project forward. I look forward to your answer. And again, please keep up the good information. Hey, John, thanks so much for the question. And, you know, John, I can, uh, I can certainly sympathize or empathize. Which one is the one where you are not actually, what's the one? Is it empathize? Empathize is when you haven't been in their same situation and sympathize is when you have. So you could empathize for me when I had foot surgery, but if you've not had it, then you can't sympathize. John, I empathize with your situation. (laughs) Because I haven't been in it, um, because you you describe a situation that is an environment where you inherently are going to be interrupted, and in fact, you are paid to be interrupted. Uh, being a nurse manager in a, in the healthcare setting is a, is a challenging role, and I can empathize with it a little bit. Um, I get to teach a couple of classes a year to folks who are nurses who are working on their master's degree for education and leadership, and so. Um, so I know I know that environment can be really challenging, um, and in addition to that, there I think there are some things you can do, and there are some things that can get you started along the way. Um, that it doesn't necessarily have to be that that either or that it just is that environment that you can't be as as successful in as far as making that time. So a couple of things that come to mind for me is first of all I would start small, um, and this is one thing that I coach people on whenever they're trying to make a change as far as making more space in their daily schedules is to rather than trying to add in a whole bunch of time or to set really aggressive goals to get something done or to make space to achieve a long-term objective is to start small. So I would maybe plan to find 15 minutes in your day that you can take action on it. And you know, depending on what it is that you're doing and and what the environment's like. Maybe that 15 minutes, you just decide it's going to be at some point. It's not even at a, at a scheduled time, but you're going to make 15 minutes at one point to make progress on a long-term goal. And maybe just start there. And then the good thing about starting small is then you get some success. So this goes back to our talk about confidence a few minutes ago, is as you start to get some success of making small changes and finding small spaces to find time to be intentional about intentional about doing the work you want to do, then you can get a better feel for how you can really make more of that time happen. Um, the other thing that I would I would suggest is to prioritize what should happen. So you talked some about you know what are how can I make time for long term goals. So what specifically is one thing that you want to take action on this week, for example? One thing that I work to do every day is to set three things on my task list that I will accomplish that day. My task list is always longer than three, but there's three things that I flag that I'll say at a minimum, I'm going to get these three things done today. So I would challenge you to do that same thing too of, okay, maybe there's 20 things that are in your long-term plans right now. What is one thing that you could accomplish this week that's reasonable in the work environment? And then the final thought I have is just to find some ways maybe to work outside that environment. If it's not possible to get work done because of the environment that you're in, of maybe you choose to um, book a room 
and to be outside of your, if you're able to get away, and I don't know the nature of your role, but if you're able to get outside of that environment for 45 minutes and book a conference room for yourself, I love people who do that, by the way. Um, I've, we've talked a few times on the show or with community members, so, you know, booking a conference room for yourself and your organization and just making time to plan for 45 minutes or to do work or maybe to step out to a different part of the organization or maybe come in an hour early or stay an hour late, um, you know, depending on what you're trying to get done, those might be things that could be helpful. And I'll let Bonnie add in whatever uh, thoughts you have too. I think one of the things that we could be dangerous if Dave and I just ignored out of your question is the possibility that if we just took your same exact question and we put it in a normal office context, what we might answer there. And I'm, I'm actually going to start there and then we can come back to the fact, okay, the reality is some of these things can be life and death situations, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to our our culture of work, we kind of have this addiction to busy. We have this addiction to urgency. And again, like Dave said earlier about another question, we don't know you, John, we don't, we don't know if this at all is something that you might struggle with, but I certainly have worked with a lot of people who would say, and I, I myself have struggled with that, that feeling of, or I've had different seasons where I think, wow, you're really go, 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 go. And, and there is a time where we really do need as humans to, to live up to our fullest potential, to have quiet space for reflection, to have an opportunity to back away from things and look at them in a different light that isn't in a context of urgency. We have a friend who is pregnant right now and is, does a, is very competent at her job. And she wound up having to go on bed rest and was sharing with me the other day that the person there who's her, above her was saying, okay, you're going to be coming back here. And, and they, there was a real, a real a gap for her not being there. There were lots of questions that didn't get answered, lots of, lots of trouble. You're going to come back, but we're going to pretend like you're not here in the sense of we're we're for the obvious medical reasons too, but, but also we're going to make sure that then when you actually go out to have the baby, we're better prepared for what it looks like without you here. And I think one thing, and again, this may resonate with you, John, it may be, maybe something that you might want to try is Think about what what would it be like for you as a leader to be less needed right there in that urgent moment? Because if that could gradually over time take place, you'd be positioning yourself for greater leadership capacity and, and probably the organization would run better. So there'd be things about what are the common things that are the interruptions? And is there any way that that shows a lack of a good system in place? I'll tell you, I I spent a lot of time in the hospital with our first child and then a little bit of time in the hospital. The second child (laughs) went a little smoother. But just being around medical professionals, I I, I sort of couldn't help myself as a person who studied leadership to go, that that just doesn't seem efficient. That, that, oh, I don't, I don't know. And someone came across with technology too. You'd have people writing things down on notebooks when I'm thinking, I don't really trust your notebook and neither do you (laughs) that you're going to get me the medicine I need on time. I mean, just, so I I was constantly thinking about how they might improve their processes and that kind of thing. So I guess just one thing I, I might contemplate if it fits at all 
Is there any bit of this addiction to the urgency, the addiction to needing to be the person who gets called? And that takes a lot of self-awareness to recognize. I know for myself, it, it, you go, that's, that's a little humble pie that we have to eat to go, gosh, things would probably work better. Everyone would, would be more really working to their maximum if I wasn't the one they had to come up. I was sort of becoming the block then mm-hmm. uh, instead of really the solution to the problem. Because the solution to the problem should be more than just me. Because it can't be about one person. So looking more holistically at the system, possible urgency there. So that that's just a couple of thoughts I had. And again, John, we're taking a lot out of a, 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 you know one question you had. I think Dave's got some really good practical advice for you, some real steps that you can take. And I'm just pontificating over here <laughs> thinking about. So, so back to taking, I, I described it in an office context. Yes, in medical situations, it is life or death. But if we're going to, even in the medical professions, if we're going to continue to serve our patients well and to really care for the best, we can't all be operating at that level of urgency all the time. It's not, that's not sustainable. It's mm-hmm. not, that's not going to provide ultimately the greatest care for our patients. Bonnie and I have some dear friends who are nurses and I work with nurses and as an educator. And so we... You know, I, I just love nurses, Bonnie, and there's there's such caring, loving, service-oriented people. And to echo what you've said, almost sometimes to the point of it being detrimental to them, is that when they, and this is something that some of the nurses I've worked with will struggle with, is when they get into the role then where they're in the, man, as in the nurse manager, as John is, or in the leadership role, where they're used to responding, 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 responding every moment. And sometimes... To be to care the best in that leadership role of needing to step back and say, hey, the best way I can care is to step back for an hour and let the people who are on the front lines do their work and to plan for the next thing that we need to plan for, because that's going to help us ultimately to get to our overall objectives. So it is, I think it's some, it's to some extent, we struggle with that in every field. You know, the not mm-hmm. doing is really as a job as a leader is also now spending a lot of time thinking and thinking about the strategy and thinking, what are we going to do next? There have actually been a number of presidents who have spoke about that, both with each other and also in their own writing and reflection about that being the hardest part of the job is finding enough time to think and just yeah. the importance of space and time for thinking. Okay, let's move on to our next question here. Thanks, John, for that question. Uh, lots of Lots of good stuff there. Okay, let's go to a question from Jen. Jen uh, actually asked this on Facebook. Uh, Jen asked, how do you cope with a difficult difficult coworker, if I can talk here, when your boss doesn't want to acknowledge the problem? Ooh, tough situation. Um, I have some thoughts on this. Bonnie, do you uh, want to tackle first? All right, I'm going to tackle this one first. So, uh, Jen, you know, gosh, I think this is one of the most challenging things to handle in the workplace is you are performing at whatever level and then you're working with someone else who is struggling in some way they're they're not performing to the same level or you're not you're not getting along with them as well as you'd like to or the relationship isn't there for whatever reason so i guess i have a few thoughts on this jen um my first thought would be and this is something that i've 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 seen so many times over the years, and particularly as having taught uh, Dale Carnegie courses and work with people who often are looking for more tools in order to be able to influence others more effectively, 
is that a lot of times if we are struggling working with someone, and again, Jen, don't know your situation, but if we're struggling working with someone, we tend to look outward first and we tend to look at what that person is not doing, how they're not being effective, how they're not communicating well with me, how they're not meeting their standards, so on and so forth. And that certainly is a challenge. We tend to not very quickly look internally and look at what is it that I'm doing that might be contributing to this this working relationship to not work as effectively as it could be? What is it that maybe I'm doing or not doing that is causing this person to not perform at the level that they're capable of performing at? What is it that I'm doing or not doing that's not being clear on what it is that I need or what it is that um, how the roles are supposed to work? And so the first thing that I guess I would suggest, Jen, is are you doing everything that you can in order to engage and to consider the actions that you've taken? And so one, a couple of things to do around that would be to um, potentially seek advice and to uh, get some input from other people who are not you and that other person and to see if there's some suggestions that others in your organization would have of how you can approach that to the extent that you can do that, or maybe ask someone that's outside of that situation. Um the the other um, the other thing I, I guess I would suggest is you know just what are some things that potentially you can do as far as communicating that well with your manager and potentially be even being able to influence your manager and to look for opportunities to engage in some of those difficult conversations if truly there is a performance issue there and so um, one resource we did tackle this in some detail back in episode sixty four so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and I guess the other final thing I'd suggest I'd, I'd add in is, you know, there's always going to be people that don't do the work the way we would want it to be done. And so uh, there's this, I, I, I find the quote from Dale Carnegie, Bonnie, um, helpful that says, expect gratitude. Just expect that there's going to be times that people are going to come to you or you're going to do things in such a way that they're not going to be very gracious or they're not going to do it the way you would do it. And just to know that that's, that's kind of, comes with the territory in the working world. We don't get to choose the people that we work with. So I don't know how helpful that is, Jen, but those are a few things that come to mind. Bonnie, things that come to mind for you? These questions are so good this time. <laughs> I know they are. They are. They're tough too. I mean, that's, yeah, it's hard. That's why I said, you know, first thing, this is a hard situation. I don't mean to trivialize it at all, Jen. It is, I've been in the situation where you're working with someone and they're just not performing at the level they can. You may look internally and change things you're doing and communicate lots better and there'll still there'll still be an issue so or work to influence your manager more effectively and you'll still have the same issue that's why i kind of at the end of the day sometimes you have to go with that you know i just this is the best this person can do with what they've got right now and that's just how it's going to be for the time being yeah we have such little to go off of because i started i hone in right away difficult coworker. What does that mean? You're so good at like and, analyzing the questions. I, I love it. <laughs> we'll see if Jen appreciates it or not. Our, our, our past <laughs> she, questions. She might get, she might unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so the difficult coworker, are they difficult interpersonally, but they still get the job done? Because you sort of made the assumption that they weren't getting the job done. What if they're just difficult people? Yeah, or exactly. Or what if it's really not about difficult? I, I have a tendency sometimes to place the label on the person. The label, when we lock ourselves into labeling other people, and I'm very much including myself in this, there's really nowhere to go. We sort of, it's, it just allows us to be the good guy and they're the bad guy, and then we're stuck. 
as opposed to one of the things when I, what I perceive as difficult, by the way, for me (laughs) is the person who always does want to look at what's wrong, what's not there, what's wrong, the criticism, the, the real critical nature of it. That's what I consider to be a really difficult person to work with where you think, oh my goodness, is there ever anything that's good enough? Did you ever want to acknowledge that, 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 that thing was good? And, and so if I labeled that person in my mind as difficult, I approach it differently than if I can find the strength in me (laughs) to label that person as a team member who performs the valuable service of seeing what's not there. Cause I'm not very good at that. Dave and I, some years ago, um, not in our place we're in now, but our old place, we got it painted and the outside of it had these different kinds of frames around the window. Um, we call them pop outs. And so we're, we're going in and the color is beautiful. And I'm spit standing back just going, Oh, Dave, look at the color. It looks amazing. This house is, Oh, I'm so glad we got it painted. And Dave's going, they missed that pop out. They missed that pop out over there. They missed, (laughs) there were like five pop outs missing. I, all I saw was a beautifully painted house. You did. And I love that about you, that you don't see those imperfections. So (laughs) all, all that to say that people who are on teams, I wish that we all could edify each other better. I really, I do think it's a, it's a, it's important for those people to be able to grow for themselves to be able to look at what's right too. And so if I were coaching someone who was that quote unquote difficult person, that's what I would want to say to them. But as the person that might perceive that person as difficult, boy, we need people on our teams who are asking hard questions, who are saying, wait a second, that this might not work, that kinds of thing. And and if you're the person who's in a leadership capacity, whether that's the formal one or even just leading a project, you can actually bring them in, take, take advantage of that and actually leave a gap where either, you know, there's a hole there. And so you give them a, a hole to fill because that's what they enjoy doing. Or you say, gosh, now that we've rolled this out, I, I really could use some input. What, what might go wrong? We, we should, anytime we're in organizations, we should be talking about what might go wrong What's missing? How could it be even better? And so we can actually leverage that. What can be for me very difficult because I work really hard. I, I, you know, you're hoping for some acknowledgement of, of, of what's been done. So I, I know it can be challenging, but if I can take the label off of difficult and replace it with, gosh, someone who will give that critical feedback that show me what's missing, show me what's wrong sometimes that helps. So, and and anyway, you also asked, how do you cope with it? How I cope, try not to take myself too seriously, try not to put labels on people, try to get out and walk a little bit. I'll tell you just sometimes just going around and walking around the building for 10 minutes and coming back in, there's just a whole new fresh perspective there. Mm. So coping, that was another thing I thought about just how do you cope with it? In fact, speaking of coping, Dave, you have a guest coming up here soon. That'll talk a little bit about coping. We um, we are, we yeah. are next week. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's so important because when I struggled more with the ups and downs of the workplace, it was when I was primarily only doing work. Like I wasn't doing a lot of other things in my life. And so friendships, hobbies, activities, other things are just so helpful for me to balance out the things that are going on in the workplace and the inevitable difficult times that we all go through and working with 
difficult colleagues and situations. So I think that's really valuable. I liked what you said. Jen, what she said. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you have the ability to listen to music in your workplace, if that's appropriate at all, Jen. I know sometimes it's not, but boy, music can just change the mood so quick. And so if that's at all interesting to you, post up on Facebook again and, and let us know what kind of music you like. And we'll make a couple of suggestions of good songs to play if you're in a position to do that or even I, for the ride home. I so forget to do that. I have this nice little Sono station in our off our home office studio here and I'm here a lot and I, I forget to turn it on. I forget to listen to music and it's just so nice when I do. They're not an advertiser by the way, but if they'd like to be, we'd be happy to have that discussion. <laughs> if this was a show about technology, we could, uh, we could sell Sonos stations. It's good. It's awesome stuff. All right. Let's uh, let's tackle our last one here. This is actually uh, not so much a question, more of a comment from Lisa. Hi, Dave. My name is Lisa, and I recently listened to your top 10 tips to improve your productivity podcast, and I'm acting on your call to give some feedback. I just wanted to share with you that I've really enjoyed your show because I myself have been uh, pretty successful in my career and find that some things just come naturally but I'm a manager of managers, and I actually use your podcast to help me teach them and develop them. So, for example, when I listened to your delegation podcast, I recognized that um, that was a huge opportunity for all of my directs, and I, I used your material and redirected all of my directs to your website and to your podcast um, to help them develop their delegation skills, but also to um, give them a resource that might be helpful to them again in the future. So thanks for doing what you do every day. It certainly helps me be more effective and look for new tips and strategies to help develop um, future leaders in my organization. I appreciate all of your hard work and the time that you put into these wonderful casts. Have a good day. Bye. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for the really kind message. And I, uh, I, hope, you, uh, I hope you're all okay with me uh, sharing this comment with you. Uh, perhaps it sounds a little self-serving, but I, I wanted to play it because um, I think a couple of messages here for all of us. Um, I, Lisa, I can't think of a better compliment for the work that we've done with this show for you to be sharing it with others and particularly the people that you're leading. So thank you for that. And I would... Uh, my first suggestion would be for those who have found value in the show and in some of the things we've mentioned, you mentioned the delegation show, um, sharing this with others is you know great for all of us. It helps us to build the community, helps the show to get more traction. And it is another resource that you can you can utilize that will help you to lead more effectively. So a, gr- a good suggestion for all of us. And then the second thing I'd mention too is, you know, I, I've been listening to podcasts now for about, Almost 10 years, I was one of the folks who was kind of an early adopter of podcasts, and I am still surprised. Uh, I, pr- I probably shouldn't be at this point, but I, I am still surprised how many people still do not really know about podcasts and, and that technology out there, and it is so accessible these days. It, 10 years ago, it was a huge challenge. You had to subscribe in a podcast client. You had to plug in something. You had to sync it. You had to think to, you know, figure out a way for you to listen to it in the car if, if you were commuting a lot. Nowadays, with so many smartphones, it is so easy to listen to podcasts. And so if you know someone who would really benefit either from this show, but any show out there that uh, that you listen to, I'd really encourage you to take three or four minutes to share some of this technology with them. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, for a little 
three-minute screencast I did a while back on just how to subscribe for free to podcasts on an iPhone. I know there's many other devices that people use in our community, but that might be one thing that would be helpful to some folks out there. So if you are looking for resources to uh, to share technology like this in the show, I just think it's a wonderful way for us all to continue to enhance our development. Uh, so thanks, Lisa, for being a big supporter of that. We so appreciate it. A huge thank as as always to Bonnie for joining me for this episode and bringing her perspective on the responses to these questions. As you can hear, she always brings such a great perspective and looks at the question behind the question, which I love. So I hope the dialogue was of value to you as well. And two things I would encourage you to do. First of all, if you have a suggestion of something else to add to our dialogue, or maybe you have a different perspective than we do on some of these questions or resources, please join the dialogue. We would love you to be a part of it. And the best way to do that is to go to the show notes for this episode, join the conversation in the comments section at the bottom. That's at coachingforleaders.com slash 141 is the URL to get there. And I would also encourage you that if you have a question, you're wondering about something in relation to human relations, communication, personal leadership, productivity, uh, any of the people skills that we talk about on this show, please feel free to submit that for the next episode. And that's at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And I've been bringing some more questions into shows when I can, but I'll be airing episodes more and more as more and more questions come in. So uh, feel free to send in your question immediately, and I will consider that for the next episode. And speaking of the next episode, Bonnie made brief mention uh, during this conversation today that next week's show, episode 142, is going to be an episode about organizational loss. And by loss, I mean the uh, you know uh, I mean that is a big term. So loss as in perhaps a layoff and losing people you've worked with for a long time or losing a program you've been working on all the way up to losing a colleague to illness or even passing away. And I've, I've experienced that several times, unfortunately, in the last five years uh, in my professional work. And I thought this would be a good time to tackle this topic. Um, I am not currently uh, in the midst of dealing with it. And I actually think that that is maybe perhaps the best time to think about it, as we'll talk about in next week's show. I've already recorded the interview with our expert next week, and I really think it's going to be an important conversation for all of us to hear, um, especially if you're not dealing with it. I mean, certainly if you are, um, because uh, part of handling organizational loss well is doing some planning for when those things do happen as how as a leader you're going to respond to that. So definitely check out episode 142 next week. I know you'll find that an important conversation as well. And thank you finally this week to those of you who have subscribed to the weekly update. Each Wednesday, I send out a weekly update email. It comes with an article that'll help you to communicate, use your human relations better, uh, or your personal leadership and productivity. And also, you'll get the show notes from this show, of course, for this week, but every show going forward each Wednesday in that email. And so a big thank you this week to those of you who subscribed, and that includes Lori Meeks, Agata Mizanik, Steve Lacourcier, I think I got that right, Steve. You even sent the pronunciation, so thank you, Steve, for doing that. 
Nicosicona Nicosi, hope I said that right, Leslie Ann Blackburn, Valerie Wynn, Anna Thayer, Mike Capelli, Catherine Cantor, Perry Adams, Deepa Tharmaja, Cherry Pusa, uh, Ashley Mack, Kent Whistler, Debbie Ron, Travis Buckner, Hermino Perez, Antonio Pizarro, Bruno Ohana, Marika Fredrickson, I think uh, Fredrickson, I think that's right. Sorry, Marquita, if I got that wrong. Kathy Howell and Gustavo Serrano. Thank you so much for all, to all of you for subscribing to the weekly update this past week. Again, that comes every Wednesday. And if you'd like to get that as well in your inbox, you can get there at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And when you do subscribe, you'll get access to the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. And that list includes the two books that I rely on weekly. And so you'll get that in the download as well, as long as a, a, a little video overview with a synopsis of each of those books. So uh, definitely check that out if that's something that would be of value to you. And in fact, we're going to be having one of the authors from one of those 10 books on the show within the next couple of weeks. So I'll, uh, I'll surprise you in a few weeks here of who that's going to be. Hey, have a fantastic week. And I look forward to being with you again next Monday. Take care.